Okay, we are back live again. The MMA All-Star. Actually, the All-Star MMA. Why do I say it backwards, man? It's just, I think yesterday's event just has my brain just boggled and just shaken up, you know what I mean, somewhat. Um, of course, a lot of surprises and a lot of, you know, things that happened that you thought was going to happen, you know what I mean? Some, it, there was a weird injury stoppage as well. Um, but before we get into the whole card, this probably, this 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 podcast will probably be a little bit longer than the, the previous because there's so much to go over, especially the main event. Man, we're we're gonna talk so much shit about the main event, um, and we got uh, we got uh, we got every level of like we got supporters, we got haters, we got detractors, we got them all today, right? Because you know we got Pat joining us, filling in for Sicko, and uh, Pat is uh, a guy that I I've known for a while, and I've always known him as a guy that doesn't filter his thoughts and he's never filtered his thoughts on Israel Adesanya. And we're going to get into this fight come, uh, you know, right now, the main event, UFC 293 in Sydney. Uh, uh, a lot of people are calling it like the biggest upset of all time. And um, could you argue that? I don't know. We'll get into that later, but Pat, I'm going to give you the floor, man. You say what you have to say before we react to your, your thoughts. I'm just gonna I'm gonna just sip this for a minute, you know, just take a kick my tap. Is that the hater? Is that a haterade? Is that oh haterade? yeah, that's haterade. That's haterade for sure. <laughs> oh yeah. No, it's uh yeah, I mean it, it's it's wonderful to see, you know. It, it's finally finally we can drop the is Adesanya the middleweight goat talk, which was way too premature. I mean, I, I will give Adesanya his due. He's an amazing striker, he's probably the second best middleweight. Right. Like he's he's really good. I, I'm not going to deny that. But the the talk going into this and, and the way that this was packaged by both the UFC and the media was, oh, I mean, he, he beats Strickland and he gets a couple more title defenses. Is he the middleweight goat? And you had people arguing yes and no. There were a fair amount of supporters for that. And it made no sense at all. And, and my favorite thing is in the video packages. Right. The, the big highlight they like to show is the Poetan bow and arrow uh, knockout because it's his most recent one. Just completely glossing over the fact that Poetan has beaten him three times across two other combat sports, right? Like, just don't care because they want to pump him up as this amazing thing. So for this to happen, especially in this way, is just like there goes there goes your money machine, UFC. There goes, like, any talk of him being the middleweight GOAT. I mean, it wasn't a flash knockout. It was a, a straight-up beatdown for five rounds, where he lost – Strickland lost one round, but it was, like, pretty ho-hum. And, I, and I've been saying this forever. People are like, is he a machine, whatever. Like, go go watch the Romero fight if you can stay awake. Go watch Whitaker 2 if you can stay awake. Yeah. <laughs> People forget the Cannoneer fight, which was just a couple ago, people walked out because they were so bored. And that was more at least like him being technical, so I'll give him that. But he's not some crazy unbeatable machine. If you pressure him and you're able to check the leg kits and get him in the pocket, he doesn't know what to do. He throws wild. He, he backs up against the fence. It's what Gaslam did. And Gaslam's chin failed him during the fight, but like that's why Gaslam had as much success as he did. It's what Pereira did the first time, and it's what Strickland did this last time. And 
I mean, it's 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 still crazy to me that people I still see people trying to call him the goat, still trying to give him the the props. He's I mean, he's great, but you cannot call him the goat. You you can't. He's one and two in his last three fights, and he lost to Sean Strickland. And and Strickland deserves all the credit in the world, but let's not act like Strickland wasn't two and two coming into this title fight, right? Like it, he's not some crazy up and cover. He got beat down by Jared in a split decision that was close, but then he got knocked out by Vera. I, I don't know. That's that's my thoughts on it. I just finally we can put the goat conversation to rest. They've pushed this guy as much as they can, uh, and and Izzy also. You know, didn't even speak at the press conference, right? He, he just kind of ducked out, and I was like, ah, like don't Ronda Rousey this, right? Like it's, but you know, um, number one is he hater. Uh, I'm buying for that. So vote for me on all the social media platforms. I'm sure there's a award show, you know. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm just here sipping my tea, so to speak. Just having, you know. Just, yes. I told his you. Hater rate. He's got the hater rate. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's a big old tub of it somewhere in this house. He just. Oh yeah. He just. He just. He just. <laughs> Just, yeah, wake up in the morning, just pour some, just, you know. He's at his old cooler at his house. <laughs> He's doing his old cooler talk. Oh, yeah. At, at his house, you know. Um, yeah, man, there's going to be a lot more we could uh, we could dive into, right? But, uh, yeah, um, Adesanya, you know, he's a great fighter. He's a great striker. You know, arguably one of the best strikers we've ever seen inside the octagon, right, with the, the, the tools that he has. The, the the style that he has, the, the the strategy that he implements, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like a lot of fighters are the extension of their coaching staff, right? Their team, right? So you got to give their team credit as well. And they prepared him. And if you listen to what uh, Eugene Behrman said after the fight, he said that they just couldn't get in sync, right? It was just like the coaching, the corner couldn't get in sync with Adesanya. They weren't seeing... Uh, Adesanya wasn't seeing the same thing that the the corner was seeing. So when they were yelling out instructions, they weren't in sync. You know, I mean, there's a lot of things that, and I like that Eugene Behrman said that. You know, I mean, he could have just said like, you know, uh, Sean Strickland is a great fighter. Um, you know, he had a great strategy and he won, but he kind of dove into like exactly like what was going on. You know, I like that. You know, because I mean? I've never seen a coach come out and say that. Have you seen that, Jay Speck? A coach come out and say after a fight that. There was just the communication was bad. And and this is the biggest fight you could have in the UFC. It's a title fight, main event, pay-per-view in your own country, right? Like, I like that transparency. Jaspek, what do you think? What did you think of the fight? And then what did you think of uh, Eugene's comments? I'm so excited. I'm knocking mics around over here. You know what I mean? I can't wait to get to my opinion on this. Dude, this fight has so much to talk about. You guys had so many great points. Well done, Pat, John, man. I don't even know how to enter this. It's so crazy. It's pure chaos, just like the event itself, like the result. Now, do I think, or have I seen something like that before? Not directly in the pure honesty that you're talking about of the, I'm going to be very direct, and it was the communication. We were not in sync out there. I think that may be a first, especially in a world title fight like this. Now, we've seen other coaches be transparent and shield their fighter a little bit because i think there's a little bit of that too is he's not around to answer nothing is his right i mean i give him hey if you know you you, nothing's gonna gonna come out of your mouth it's probably best to avoid the microphone so who's left you know he's the he's the next biggest representative of the whole city kickboxing tribe who other than izzy had a 
fucking terrific night, you know? So it was just a good call by a good coach, in my opinion, to do a coach-like thing, put the put the blame a little bit on him and, you know, summit, put, put a summary to it, which is respectable and, like you said, honest, and we can live with it. Now, on the other hand, though, like, what? This is you guys been working. You guys been working together for a long ass time. How the hell did the communication go wrong here, in your hometown, so to speak, and all that other stuff? It's not like, it's not like you had jet lag. I don't understand. Well, how, how, how could you fumble it that bad? How could the corner work be so bad that the championship was lost? I think there's more to it than that. On the other side, while we we're watching. Uh, the show, you know, we were running the space and enjoying the, the fights together. Dude, I I heard the direct opposite type of thinking coming from Strickland's corner. They, I think it was like round three or so. They actually said, and I'm quoting roughly, dude, we can win this. Dude, <laughs> we can win this is the fucking that's like opposite. Sti- that's like, like Stifler. In yeah, like, like, dude, we can win this. I mean... Bro, that's gold right there. So Sean Strickland is Stifler from American Pie. I just realized that right now. We have Stifler <laughs> from American Pie as the UFC champion. Yeah. Think and, about Stifler if he could fight. That's basically yeah. what that's basically <laughs> what I think Sean Strickland would have been a Stifler when he was young. You know what I mean? Dude, <laughs> I, <laughs> I just realized a bunch of weird MMA had started looking up for Strickland's mom. You know, anyways, MILF story going on from that movie. Um, now, going back to the fight, I don't know what else was going on, but I can tell you this. The proverbial, the, that long overused uh, quote from Tyson, Mike Tyson, that is, about once you get punched, there goes the game plan, some shit like that. I know it's been quoted and misquoted a hundred times, so I'm doing my own version, but that's exactly what happened. Mr. Strickland went out there. Punched out of Sanya, dead ass in the mouth, sat him down, and that we we entered a different universe at that point. The Adesanya, the master fighter, the all this other shit, it wasn't there anymore. It was a regular guy versus another guy, and Strickland was the man on that night. The everything that is Adesanya disappeared right after that knockdown, and that's to me the the beginning and ending of the fight right there. It's all right there. Uh, He put up a good effort in the second round. I think Pat talked about winning a round for Mr. Adesanya. That was it. But other than that, we were here. I just want to, I just want to take this last moment. I want to pull a Eugene Behrman last week. I was here saying, dude, Adesanya has a hundred different ways to kick Strickland's ass. I'm not really sure what Strickland's going to do. Like, boy, was I wrong. So I take that L Throw the dub up for Strickland, and there you go. That's my thoughts on that. Well, there's been, you know, experts that broke this fight down ahead of the fight that were picking Adesanya to win it. So, you know what I mean? It's just, any you know, picking fights is just picking fights. You got to just look more than just the pick. You got to look at the analysis of the pick, right? Um, anyways, uh, yeah, man, it was a, it was a insane night, insane main event. I don't want to say insane. Because it, it wasn't like, oh, my God, like, you know, it wasn't like the Matt Sarah knockout where it was just like all of a sudden, unsurprisingly, he knocked out GSP, right? 
the first round, let's go into the fight. Let's talk about the fight now. Um, the first round was probably the most impactful round, so to say, right? Because Sean Strickland was able to land that one-two straight down the pipe and land so clean and dropped Adesanya in that first round. But before that, before the knockdown, because that was at the end of the round, who did you see winning that round, Pat, the first round? I still – I I had Strickland, barely. Like, it was super close, but he was landing what I would say were the more impactful shots. I mean, it, it was – if somebody had scored it up to that point for Izzy, I wouldn't have been angry about it. But I thought I thought he was landing more and, and he was pressuring more, and it was close enough, right, that it was kind of like, well, uh, you know, if strikes are being equal, then technically it goes to the guy – go through the next three things and there were no takedowns, no clinch, whatever, like technically goes to the guy who's, who's pressuring. So I was leaning Strickland anyway. Um, and, and it was one of those things where just, just the way he was checking the kicks and putting Adesanya in the back foot and occasionally throwing a, a bigger shot. I think he, he took it, but I mean, that knockdown obviously changed everything because then it was about as clear as day for Strickland as it was going to be. Yeah, I don't think, you know, Jay Speck, he, he mentioned the knockdown earlier and, and kind of emphasized on that and how that was the, the alternate universe that Eugene Berman was talking about, how, like, Strickland was going to win the title, right? He buzzed him hard. Strickland buzzed him hard, man. And he took, like, what? It looked like 20 shots, right? 20 shots of yeah. just him against the fence just trying to move around and, and dodge everything. And he took clean shots, man. And I think... A possibility is that after that that uh, uh, segment of the fight, Adesanya maybe was on cruise control. And that's why we saw the type of performance that we saw. That's why maybe he couldn't get in sync with this court. I don't know. I'm not trying to make excuses for Adesanya, but maybe. Because we hear that all the time, right, from fighters. Fighters get buzzed. They get knocked down. They get clipped. And then they talk about how they don't remember the rest of the fight. They don't even remember going backstage. They remember going to waking up in the hotel and say, like, oh shit, what happened? Like, did I fight? Like, <laughs> like shit like that. Like, that's crazy shit, right? And that could have been a possibility. But all credit to Sean Strickland, because Sean Strickland's the one who buzzed him, right? Like in the first round early. And 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 a buzzed, like uh injured Adesanya. In 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 a type of situation like that where you got a style like Sean Strickland, it's not good at all in that situation, right? It's not good at all. Um, and he did a great job of cutting off the cage. You know what I mean? Like that, I think that was a key to it, and in, in kind of like leading leading Adesanya to the to to go where he wanted to go, like he wanted him to go, right? Eric Nixick, his coach, did a great job of uh, planning that stuff out. People that are listening right now live, keep the comments coming. We'll get to the comments soon. Um, and also uh, make sure you guys go in the description and download the All-Star app. I got the app on the screen right now showing the statistics for the fight. And, man, Sean Strickland, nobody nobody fucking thought that this was going to happen, right? Like, like no. I, you know, every time somebody that has kind of like a boxing style, they go out there and win a big fight, everybody's jumping on, like, saying, like, who's the biggest, who's the best boxer in MMA? They always talk about that, right? And you know, on Twitter, like I just put up nonsense because every because that's what Twitter's about. Like, and people think it's serious. Like, I always put up nonsense and be like, "You, you're so consistent in the worst takes." I'm like, 
because it's nonsense, right? I put it up because everybody was that's that's the poor A wins. Oh, he's the best boxer in MMA. Max Holloway wins. He's the best boxer in MMA, right? It's like everybody has a boxing style. It's like they're the best boxer in MMA after they win. Sean Strickland has a title. Maybe now he's the best boxer in MMA. I don't know, right? Like, and then people are gonna get mad about that. Anyways, it doesn't matter. The statistics show Sean Strickland went in there, implemented an incredible game plan, attacked, and almost pot, fought his perfect fight against the champ and became the champ. That's just clearly what happened, right? Uh, let's say Adesanya on his best day, would he be able to? Would 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 uh, Strickland be able to beat Izzy on his best day? Probably not. But it doesn't it doesn't matter? It it was yesterday. <laughs> it was. It was UFC 293. That's when you have to be your best self, right? And Sean mm -hmm. Strickland was perfect on the, the night that he was supposed to be perfect. And it's almost like, you know, ahead of the fight, like everybody's talking about how Adesanya pushed for this fight, right? The UFC didn't want Sean Strickland to fight for the title. And, and it was almost like they were leading a, a lamb to slaughter. And Sean Strickland was almost playing into it. Right? Like, ahead of the fight. Like, oh, you know, I'm just going to go out there. I'm not going to. Maybe I'll wrestle. I don't know. But he, he played into it. And he just, like, played everybody. Like a, like a, like idiots. And, well, uh, John, I mean, well, talk about stuff have you ever seen before. Have you ever seen a foreigner in a, you know, uh, outside national, whatever, for the challenger of a championship against a decorated champion get the crowd behind the visitor that's absurd dude like well a lot of people hate good. izzy in australia so you know yeah i mean that it's weird because i, I saw a couple takes about that and like having lived in australia for a year and then visiting new zealand like they have a weird rivalry like i'm not super shocked that they like the aussie crowd got behind uh strickland right because like it's i don't know I don't know a real good analogy for it, but it's like, I mean, I, I can easily see the Aussie crowd going for a challenger yeah. just because it's, yeah. yeah it's There I, was guys was in the street crazy. in Australia telling Sean Strickland to knock out Izzy. Yeah. You know, like, this was a very common thing. Like, oh, when are you going to knock him out? What round are you going to knock him out? Because they weren't talking about, are you going to beat him? They're, like, asking him to knock him out, right? So he does have... A lot of haters and man i wish i had that many haters because that means you've been making more money you know what i mean like mm. is he like mm. um he got haters man he's like he's become this figure of like there's a lot of people that love him but then there's equal amount of people that hate him and that's what you want as a as a public figure as a star as a athlete as a actor whatever you want to be right like fame has some something to do with it right and more fame more money and Adesanya understands that, right? I think Adesanya, the the way he handled everything after the fight, there's a reason. I this is my theory. I feel like he the reason why he did that is because he can take everything, all this attention that people are waiting for, and bring it to his channel, and he's gonna release something on his channel, and everybody has to watch that and write articles off that, and you know refer back to that instead of the press conference. Because they already wrote about the press conference, right? Like his little, what, one-minute thing with the media, and then he left, and then he posted something on his social media. They already wrote articles about that, right? Now they're going to be have to wait for him on his own platform. And I think fighters can learn from that, right? Fighters can learn from that. And, and Izzy, he knows what he's doing.
even though he lost the fight, but he didn't really lose. You know, I mean, he lost the belt, yes, but man, he made a ton of money, and uh, and now, what the question that I have is, the first round, I would give a ten eight in that first round. The reason why, okay, I'm gonna ask you guys too. The reason why I would give a ten eight is because man, he almost finished the fight in the first round, and uh, before the that almost finishing sequence, the fight was either close or Sean Strickland was landing like you said at the harder shots so when you got a, a fight up to that point where it's kind of close but sean strickland looks like he's winning landing the harder shots and then he almost finishes the fight how could you not pat how could you not give that a 10-8 you almost finished the fight it's yeah i mean like the it's it's weird right like 10-8s are, are so weird to me and like i i could go on a whole separate rant about how people <laughs> think they know about judging criteria and all that garbage like i don't even want to get into into that but like i i will say like especially upon watching it the first time right like goddard could have stopped that if it wasn't the champ like i've seen i've seen refs go in and stop the fight for less and if it wasn't the champ and giving like izzy the benefit of the doubt especially the amount of shots he ate and then when he just turned to face the cage and just ate shots and like he gave a little thumbs up but that doesn't Usually it's like you got to fight back, you got to do something, right? But he he took that knockdown, he got up, he ate those shots, and then he immediately circled back out, right, for the last, like, 10 seconds and, like, kept fighting. I think if Izzy is on the ground, like, where Goddard is literally about to pull him off and then, like, like the round ends, that's a different story. But I think because of that, it's going to be, like, a knockdown and, like, a bit of a beatdown, but not... You know, like Strickland didn't bloody him up or hurt him so bad he couldn't move. Like he was just covering up and then he he still circled out. So I I can see a 10-9. Like I I, I gave it a 10-9 just because Izzy recovered quick enough that it's like it's it's hard to say. Um, but I, I wouldn't be like angry if somebody gave it a 10-8. Because you're right, like I've seen fights stop for less, like a lot less. It was a championship fight, he got he got the benefit. Yeah. The other rounds, they, you know, like, it's a 10-9 round. But the first round, I think you could argue that it could have been a 10-8 round. Jay Speck, what do you think? I think that the 10-8 round thing is so unclear and so, like, odd when they do do it and then they don't, that I don't even have a comfortable, like, portion to, to sample from of like what I feel very confident defining what a 10 8 round is right now. I know it's, you know, supposed to be kicking ass and I wouldn't, I wouldn't just because of this, I guess it's supposed to be very, you know, a lot of damage. And I get it. He got popped, he got dropped, he was getting rained on. But there was a portion of that assault where Strickland was just kind of, you know, arm punching him, if you will. It wasn't the cleanest thing. It was just, he was chest on him, just trying to muscle him out and i can i can also see that it is the first round so why just like it's not like adesanya has been taking an ass kicking the whole time and then this happened and you're trying to save his brain this is early into the fight so i think this the non-stoppage if you will was totally fine i do agree with pat though that we have seen other fights stopped for less but all those things considered who we're talking about main event championship First round, maybe also part of the mix. I'm cool with it not being stopped, but 10 8. No, no, I'm 
I'm fine. I'm fine with it being 10-9 because honestly, hate hate to be the contrarian. I remember that round kind of being I was more for Adesanya. And then that moment happened, and I was like, oh shit. Well, then I'm not even gonna talk about this round anymore. This is clearly Strickland's round. So I just kind of erased everything before that because it was just so clearly Strickland's round at that point. And and the rules do state that it's it's like over they have to basically be overwhelmingly dominating striking. And, and so like I wouldn't I guess I wouldn't classify round one as overwhelming, right? Like I I had it for Strickland for a little bit more impactful, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like he was completely like like destroying Izzy in striking. It was it was back and forth enough that yeah. yeah. And and duration, I know like the three Ds for like duration, like again, it was maybe like 20 seconds. It wasn't if that had gone on for like say that happens in like round or like a minute into the round, and then the rest of the round is like that or something. Well, yeah, that's a 10-8 for sure, but I mean, there were 20 seconds, 30 seconds left or whatever. It's got, it's kind of hard to give it a dead eight thinking about it more, but yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's always unclear, man. Let's get into these comments before we move on to, uh, to more of this, uh, juicy card. Cause there has been some weirdness on this card. Uh, spawn Fritz. Hi spawn. How you doing? Hype MMA. What a night for Sean. Of course it was a night for Sean. Uh, Preston saying, love the hate, Pat, LOL. Yes. Preston is always uh, uh, with us. Uh, Preston Izzy also said he had a game plan, and that was he was going to knock Sean out. Where was this so-called game plan? Well, you know, every fighter says their game plan of like, oh, I'm going to submit or knock out. I'm going for this. You know, it's like it's just the normal talk. Um, uh, up his ass along his head. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> with the head yes. Um Hype. Sean negates the attacks from Izzy so well. Strickland deserves more fright. Oh, we're, yeah. Strickland definitely. Yeah, Hype, you're right. He agrees. And new EQ is here. Um, let's see what else we can. Okay, here's a... Uh, it says, can Izzy beat Strick on his best day? Obviously not. Uh, this is this is us surreal. Um, yeah. the uh, I think more... What is he saying? I think more damage to his face, like the eye cut or something that changed the outcome of the fight. All right, there you go. So everybody, um, yeah, man, I, I picked uh, on the app, I picked uh, Adesanya to win by a knockout in, in round three. This is my pick that I had. You know what I mean? This is what I thought would happen. I, I thought it would take some time for him to kind of, you know, I think Sean Sean's not a guy that you're going to put out in the first round, right? He's a guy that's going to take some time to to uh, to beat up. And I thought it was going to happen in the third round, but it didn't, man. Because, you know, on Adesanya's best day, I think he beat Strickland. But that wasn't his best day, and Strickland came out and did his thing. Props to him. Now, the talk of the town is, and a lot of people are saying, Pat, you probably agree, <laughs> Adesanya does not get the immediate rematch, even though Dana White has already no. said that he gets the immediate rematch. J-Spec, let's start with you first. Who gets the next fight at middleweight for the title? I, okay. So I think that we can solve so many things with like just a couple maneuvers. One, I'm back up Pat 100%. Izzy is not the middleweight GOAT. That is Israel Adesanya, kids, ladies and gentlemen. But that doesn't mean that Izzy can easily be the best fighter of this generation and of this chapter because he's in a very interesting opportunity to become the, like, what? He would be the first, multi, what, three-time, right? There's no been no three-time middleweight champ before. So 
that's like cool greatness in your own different path in your own different unique way and so i think adesanya should fight the fight that everybody wants to see even though i didn't really like it fight the drikas fight whenever i know people want drikas versus strickland the reality is you can have fresh matchups right now for another easy pathway back to a big fight so let strickland fight literally whoever and the juice is already there for um the juice is already there literally let him fight literally whoever i don't like as long as you make weight dude make weight um conor, then, conor mcgregor greg mcgregor talking about moving do, up <laughs> i bet he thinks he could win that fight too oh so, he yeah. definitely does which is amazing yeah. yeah so i mean let's be honest at this point the middleweight defense with strickland will sell with one whoever you want and then put adesanya versus ddp because i mean no nah. really well, come on. as a non-title yeah. fight yes because that's the heat is already there if you're not the gonna give DDP, there. If, if you're not gonna give DDP Strickland, that's what I'm saying. If you're not gonna mm. do DDP Strickland, then DDP Adesanya. Like, and that's what I'm saying. It's not that hard, and it it's super interesting. Whoever wins, no matter what happens, you have another title fight that's super interesting. Problem solved, man. I I think Adesanya he probably won't even take the rematch. Pat, what do you think? So I mean, this is one of those things where. Does he deserve the rematch? No, not at all. Especially, this was not another, uh, you know, Poetan fifth fifth round knockout where, like, Izzy was up on the cards and then lost. Uh, and it wasn't, like, if, if Adesanya gets flash KO'd by Strickland in round one, there's a little bit more of an argument. Like, oh, you caught him with the, the punch. But, like, this was domination enough. There's no no way that he should be getting the rematch. What will actually happen, though, is... I, I unfortunately know the UFC too well. And unless Izzy does turn down the rematch, which he may, if he's really worried about, like if he, let's say he wasn't buzzed at all or like he recovered enough and then he just couldn't figure Strickland out, he may turn it down so he gets more time to like figure out a new game plan or try, you know, try and figure out what to do there. Um, but Unless Easy turns it down, they'll for sure do the rematch. And Dana's already kind of tipped his hand there because you've got a media rights deal coming up, you know, in a year, less than a year. Where the negotiating period starts after the, the end of this year. And you're trying to make a ton of money off of that. They're trying to double what they're getting from ESPN right now, either through ESPN or, you know, some other provider. The overall market for streaming deals right now is not great. Like a lot of layoffs they're cutting uh everybody wants them to be profitable they've just been like hey throw money at it for years and now it's like hey you actually have to make money and it's causing a huge issue in the streaming world and izzy is a star right izzy is arguably their biggest star right now who actually fights regularly like mcgregor is always going to be bigger uh jones can be bigger but i've he's also been not as big depending on the fight um i think the Anthony Smith record yeah well yeah all of that too yes Mm -hmm. Uh, but but Izzy is is a huge draw, especially in the Oceania region and international buys. And they, of course, want him as champion because if he's not like think about who think, think about trying to sell a media rights deal right now with Sean Strickland <laughs> as your champ. <laughs> and you're trying to you're trying to negotiate with ESPN, who is owned by Disney. Think about that for a second. Like, I don't know if you care at all, do they? 
Oh, they do. Disney, they do? Disney almost bought the UFC. They came this close to buying the UFC instead of Endeavor. It didn't happen because Bob Iger, who was the CEO and is now the CEO again after a whole crazy succession type switch up that happened last year, he's CEO again. He nixed it because he, it didn't think it fit in with the family image. He regrets it like pretty much, and like it's they're they're losing money on it now, especially since ESPN is paying for the media rights deal. But like, I mean, same same way that they stepped in when Dana tried to have uh, that event in California with when COVID happened, right? right? Like, I, I mean, they have a certain level of they, they'll get grilled to a certain degree, uh, especially if you have a subsidiary or a partner doing some outlandish stuff. And I mean, I don't know if you've seen the Sean Strickland memes out there or like the, the edits of him winning and saying stuff or his post fight press conference, but that is a PR nightmare for Disney and UFC, which is now going to be merged with WWE in two days. And they, WWE has this whole family friendly image too, right? Like it's, it's not a good time <laughs> from a business standpoint. They hundred percent didn't think this was going to happen. Uh, so I, I can't imagine that Izzy isn't offered the rematch and they wouldn't do that if they could. How, how is MMA going to be family friendly? Like to me, it's that's, that's hard to sell to be honest with you. It's just too violent. It's, it's my guess is they'll like, I don't think it's going to be family friendly, so to speak, but it's going to be polished more towards when they were like with the Fox deal, right? They're going to be talking more about like, remember when they had the Fox deal and then uh, they put out the code of conduct and like actually enforced it with um, a couple of fighters, I think Matt Mitrione and a couple things. Right. And like, they, they tried to make it more like, Hey, this is like, we, we have the same rules and type of professionalism as a big sport, right? Like we're on Fox. We've got to have that. Like they're going to try and do that again would be my guess. It's not going to work you know, the sit like super well, and they're not going to make it as friendly as WWE is because WWE is obviously scripted and has a lot more power in that regard. But I would imagine you're going to get a much more polished product than what we've seen. Especially because they'll be half of, half of the company's revenue and they'll need to crush it on the media rights deal. Otherwise, if they don't crush it on the media rights deal, it's a very bad time for that new company. So at least until that's done, they're going to go for it. If you ink that deal, I think then everything's out the window, right? Like you could do a code of conduct, what have you, uh, sign the deal. And then all of a sudden, like nobody enforces it. Okay. But the fact that two fighters, two fighters said homophobic slurs and their post fight, post fight stuff. And then you've got Strickland, who is now your champ. That is going to be a, during a time when media companies are going to be looking for any excuse to push back on paying more i guarantee they're going to go in on the ufc for that like there's no way they don't yeah well that that they'll probably use that to to knock off a couple million here exactly there. yes right they 100 uh, will, will say that at the negotiating table so yeah, it's uh, yeah. they, they want ufc wants izzy back as champ asap same reason they they want Lee as champ same reason they want sean as champ Sean O'Malley is champ. They want draws as champions, people they could put up and go to their, you know, when they go on tour, they could be like, look at our champs. Like they can come, come meet with Whaley and Sean O'Malley and, and Adesanya and see what, like what we're doing and all like, 
right? Like, yeah, they do not. They can want be great ambassadors. Kids. They can be great ambassadors for exactly. the sport. Exactly. You know I mean? Yeah, Sean Strickland um, cannot be a great ambassador for yeah. the sport. He's he's a he's a loose cannon, and I, you know, like Izzy, he he has his loose cannon moments, but when it's time for business, he's a businessman. And Sean O'Malley is the same, right? He has his yes. moments of ridiculousness, but when it's business time, he's a businessman. And that's who they want. That's what the UFC wants. They want guys that are businessmen when it's business time, right? And you could do your old little promotion thing on your own, but when it's time to do your thing, do your thing. Um, yeah, I see what you're saying. Uh, but I think Sean Strickland, he has this unique opportunity right now, right? To have uh, the middle America, to have like, the average Joe, the, the the blue collar worker, I think he could have that demographic behind him, and and that demographic is massive in America, right? Middle America, like getting like fathers that are raising kids, because you know he has some ide ideas, ideologies that a lot of people in middle America might agree with, right? And he could use the positive ones to propel him rather than the the ridiculous ones, right? Like. His, I think he can do it. It's just how can he do it, and could he get a PR team behind him to do it? Because he's a champion now, so why not? If you're the UFC, try to help Sean Strickland clean it up a little bit and make more money. But I don't think Sean Strickland would do that. That's the no, thing. No, 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 no. Yes, what do you think? Opposite. You, 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 you fucking inject this fucker with crack and you send him out and, and you let him just whatever flies and bullshit he attracts. That's what you get. That's the media storm that's going to come from it. You're not going to, well, what are we going to do? We're going to, we're going to, we're going to put a suit and tie on Strickland now. We're going to, we're going to give him PR lessons. We're going to teach him not to say no, that. No, 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 no. You don't put a suit and tie on him. You, he's the blue collar champion. Yeah, so he but, wears his boots. He's Carhartt is sponsoring him. You know what I mean? Dickies is sponsoring him. You know what I mean? Like that type of level of like, I wish that they would do that. That would be the plan that I would have for Sean Strickland. As just, just it could be six months. It could be a year, right? Just try to squeeze out as much as you can to build a fan base bigger. And then when yeah. you're not champion, it still rides with you, right? Most of the time. That could, that could totally work. I mean, it could if you want to push that i think the guy is a instant agitator i don't i think he could piss off any group at any time and i mean like any group like even that group even the, that so-called group so with that being said like use him like that I, I in my mind that's the way you would mark i would i would just let him just talk shit in every direction and let listen there's only so much love that can be generated for for purchases. Some people purchase for hate. People purchase to see knockouts. You just let that guy go out there and piss off as many people as he can. They're going to buy. And they want to see his face get punched in. And he might not. And he might. Who knows? You got to buy it to find out. And that's, boom, fight game. Everything solved. He's, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't think that he will get to that level. Of like people hating him that much, I don't think he's capable of that. You know what I mean? Like, because he does everything in tongue in cheek. You know, everything is just like, oh, John, I'm not really saying it. You know, like he backtracks a lot. You know, John, you and I get that things. kind of stuff, but dude, let's be honest. The 
the modern like modern society like just takes clips and holds on to it forever they don't care about apologies or didn't say that or whatever that's he's an anti-semite forever even though you know or whatever the connotation that's thrown at him he's i don't know yeah. anyways well, there's he's, no yeah there's a clip right now that's circulating that basically chops up all the terrible things he said and puts it all in one thing and it's it's going around and it's oh, yeah wow. i mean if, if that's i mean that's the thing is like and and i've seen multiple people on social media post and be like and and i mean don't get me wrong like he says some of it tongue in, tongue in cheek but like he says enough things that cross enough lines. He could easily get everyone to hate him. He, I mean, he basically had that whole press conference where he was like, we got to go back to 1958 and women shouldn't be allowed to vote, which isn't correct. Women were allowed to vote in 1920. I mean, he's not educated. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's not educated at all. But like, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things where like he could certainly, I, I mean, I, I think Jay Speck is right. That like, I think if you're going to push him, you push him as like everybody, you push him the Greg Hardy route, right? Like everybody just wants to see him get beat up. Everybody just wants to see him get knocked out. But I, I also think he's so much of a loose cannon and he has a traumatic brain injury. Like, right. Like that changes everything because that TBI clearly is affecting him. I, I had an uncle with that basically who basically like got in a similar type of thing, got in a car crash and like it, it it changes you apparently like I didn't know him before before it happened that much, right? But like from everybody I've talked to, and he wasn't affected that badly, but like they're like, oh, he changed and he's just different now. And he like and and when you hear Strickland talk about that, and he's just like he just flows. There is no filter at all. It's like he can't do it. It's like it literally just pops out. And so you, you can sell the right. <laughs> you you can sell the hate, but like it's also no media rights company right wants to be like imagine right there was a joke going around right that he was going to say like the n-word right like that yeah. was like the whole like no media company wants to actually put somebody on that would do that no, like no. it's and, and that's the problem with strickland is he's just too loose and it i don't think you can push him in that way and i i think it's just a scenario where they're just hoping that he does not he either is basically put on the shelf until he fights and he doesn't do any like he does the normal press conferences and like that stuff or they uh you know are, are trying to get him out of there and i think that's part of what the easy rematch is i'm just gonna jump in and say strickland you know i hear people who are good at striking criticize his guard criticize the way he fights criticize the way he talks his little gimmick, his shtick, I always label it as like comedian gone wild. I think that's the role he plays. And I'm not fully sold that he's like, I know he's a loose cannon and he says inflammatory stuff and stuff I wouldn't say. But I think he also has to a degree, just like his funny ass guard, like he knows what he's doing. I think he has just enough control. I don't think, I don't think he would botch himself out of really good money and say the n-word and stuff like that you know what i mean like i think he has just no. enough you think he would I, think I don't know i think he if you get him in a certain situation and certain type of flow of conversation it could come out like yeah it's just it, a certain emotion comes out you trigger him it could come you know what i mean like it's do we want it to happen no but 
a lot of a lot of bad things have happened throughout the years, right? Like people saying the the dumbest dumbest shit at the wrong yeah. time, right? Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, you know, hopefully it doesn't like something like that doesn't happen while he's the champion. You know what I mean? Just because I just don't want that to be part of like what the sport is, you know, like a drawing attention for. You know what I mean? Like you don't want them to draw yeah. attention. You want them to be on. ESPN top five. That's you. That's how you want them to be drawing attention, not because of what they say. But this sport has become fifty, like especially in the UFC, it's like fifty percent making headlines and fifty percent fighting now. Seriously, like it's like fighters have become their own media group. You know, what I mean, they got their own teams now, right? Certain fighters that they like respond to. Like, how many channels are going to respond to Israel? Getting losing to Sean Strickland, and that will become headlines. Sean O'Malley says this. Uh, Gilbert Burns says that. You know what I mean? Uh, blah, blah, blah. Whoever has channel says this. You know what I mean? Like, it's just going to be all over the place. You know, um, John McCarthy said this. You know what I mean? Josh Thompson said that. You know what I mean? It's just that's what the media has become now. Like, the, the, the fighters are starting to figure it out themselves and say, like, yo, we don't need these idiots sitting in their, in their basements reporting on us we report on ourselves and we make everything and we draw all the attention right so it could happen anyways there's we could go on for this for like three hours just this fight and like everything <laughs> yeah. but we got to move on and cover some of the other cards um but before we go there let's get in some of these comments uh let's see spawn says uh izzy got the ufc five curse that's true just they just released it last week, right? And Izzy was on the cover. Who else was on the cover? Valentina Vulcan. and Volk. Yeah, but Izzy dodged the UFC four curse, right? Wasn't yeah, he on yeah. the cover? So I mean, so it doesn't matter, man. Yeah, but Hori got it. Hori got it. That's true. Um, yeah. <laughs> Charisma. What's going on? The people didn't believe in Strickland. God did. That's right. That's the best time <laughs> to say God did. Yes, uh, I wish Strickland would say that. Um, that would have been funny, right? <laughs> With a do rag on or something. Um, uh, what else is there? Yeah, so like, yeah, man, that was to me. That was a, you know, that's why you watch fighting, because anything could happen, right? If if we knew this was gonna happen, if we knew that um, Sean Strickland was gonna get the upset, would we watch it? Probably not, because it's like, why would you like watch fights after they already happen? Unless it's like you really want to see it, you know? What I mean, it was entertaining or something like that, but. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's incredible. Everybody, make sure you guys go in the descriptions, download the All Star app, and we're gonna put the app back on the screen and talk about the Coleman event between Tai Tuivasa and Volkov. I took Tai Tuivasa first round knockout because I always take Tai Tuivasa first round knockout. That's just always my pick. The reason why I'm gonna tell you is not because like technically I was like analyzing this matchup and saying like wow this you know the striking and the ground game and blah, blah no no it's not because of that it's because I like Ty and Ty's he's a cool dude like you know what I mean like I like him like that's just the only reason I picked him I'm just gonna give you real like if I was picking because of like skill of course I would have took Volkov right because like you'd figure Volkov's just on a better run and he's just so big and you know what I mean like the last time he ran into a Russian, it didn't go so well, right? So he figured, like, if he doesn't clip him, it's not going to go so well. And that's what happened in this fight. Um, but let's look at the statistics. Statistics show that, man, look at the, the gap, dude, in statistics. Strikes landed. 
132 to 35. Ty just hasn't, you know, looked too good. Look at that headshots, 99 to 4. Shit show. That's crazy, dude. That's they a said, shit show. What do you got? I mean, that's a shit show. That this is, I I couldn't help it. I mean, you just read that number out loud. <laughs> Triple digits versus single digits. Um, what is there to say? There's nothing. I mean, what do you do if, to what do you do with uh to Avasa now? You know, I mean, he's lost three in a row, I think. But they're to all the top guys, right? They're all top ten fighters. Whoa. I say you you pull him back, or he takes a little bit of time off. You pull him back, but who does he fight though? Okay, right off the bat, Ty definitely time off, dude. You know, I hope he makes shit to the money. That's three. That's three KOs in a row. I know his Polynesians are tough. I know they got great chins and all that, but three in a row, like, dude, well, gotta chill. This, this was a submission, but he still, yeah. I mean, he ate enough shots on the ground. It's basically, yeah. Like, right? like <laughs> it was, it was just he's he's been getting deactivated basically by by shots, and you know, um, I just don't, I just don't like, I just don't want to see a fighter. What are we gonna do? Put him against another hard fight? Get four in a row? That's basically if you take about a hard fight. So Ty, number one answer, time off, chill. But I, I gotta take a step into the fight uh just for a second. I'm gonna I'm paraphrasing from my co-host during the watch long party, Den. You know, he, he fought professionally, so he has Muay Thai background and stuff. And he was questioning and he was bringing a good point, which was weird. Ty was just opening up with a, a naked low leg kick and just eating a right right crosses and straight rights like just dangerous shots really basically and if ty if ty wasn't who if ty wasn't mr tuivasa that dude would have been knocked out or flat on his face way earlier like he was eating devastating basic elementary counters and the game plan that ty was applying was just god awful wrong so whether mr tuivasa couldn't adjust mid-flight or whatever the heck was going on just things are just not right, and I, you know, please chill out. I want to see you knock out more f- fools in the future, but yeah, that's 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 kind of all of my thoughts on this one. Yeah, it's just it's kind of like similar to, um, I'm not gonna say similar, but it's kind of played out like, you know, the main event a little bit, where it's like the basics won the fight, <laughs> basically, right? The basics yeah. won the fight, you know. Straight um, up. Uh, I think uh, you got to give him Parker Porter. Pat, what do you think? You got to give him Parker Porter? <laughs> I, I, don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if you got to go that far. I mean, yeah, his game plan here was definitely like chew the leg, right? I mean, you even heard it in the corner at the end of round one. Like the leg is like they were saying like the leg is effed. Like, like chew. So it basically was like Ty was like, all right, I'm just going to chew the leg and eat shots because I'm Ty and Volkov. Volkov can knock you down, but he doesn't have like crazy power, just like touches you and you're out, right? He's precision. He's much more precision shot knockdowns. And so, um, like, I I think that game plan did not work. And the height differential and and reach, right, that obviously made it tough for him. But still, like, he he was just brawling. And, And you can't do that against a precision guy like Volkov, who his whole thing is to snipe you. So this played out kind of how I thought it would. I thought Volkov would have gotten the the actual knockout, right? I thought they were going to stop it when he got in full mount and was just landing shots. I'm surprised they let it go as long as they did. Um, but I think 
what you do with Ty now is you definitely give him a bounce back fight, right? Similar to what they did with Lewis and um, uh, what's his name? Guy, it's not even, I don't even think he's with the UFC anymore. He was he's part of the brothers. Uh, Duckus, Mr. Duckus. Yeah, Duckus. Uh, yeah, Duckus. Uh, right? Like you give him, you give him somebody that like is a little bit recognizable, but is, is definitely either outside the 15 or right on the 15 where you, you can get it done. Like I like Rodrigo Nascimento. Um, that's, you know, more of a challenge for him. Uh, you could go, you could go Tybura if you wanted to give him like a little bit more step in competition, but somebody that he could, you know, end up beating. I mean, cause he's not, Ty has proven, right. Like he can compete and hang with the top 15, top 10 guys. It's just now heavyweight has finally caught up where they have enough young and good fighters that he's he's falling down the ranks that brawling of i'm just gonna like go in there and just throw doesn't work as much so yeah i like i like somebody like uh nasiamento or you know uh you give him an arlovsky that's a classic one right like give him give him he fought arlovsky already (laughs) oh yeah that's true yeah that's a good point um the the thing about ty is he's still super young right he's only 30 you know like anybody he's he got into the ufc so young as well what's up jay can, can we borrow Carlos Oberg's shout out, uh, call out? Let's give Ty Dominic Reyes. A heavyweight? Is a Dominic heavyweight Reyes a heavyweight? No. no. Yeah, Reyes oh, is a heavyweight. Oh, never mind. Yeah. Mixed it up. My bad. But he's, man, the thing about Ty is like, he's really a guy that will fight anybody because he fought Pavlovich when nobody wanted to fight Pavlovich. I think like they gave him Pavlovich because like nobody, everybody yeah. turned him down. And Ty was well, like, I bang. Let's go. Yeah, Martin Boudet would be a good one, right? Isn't he? That's he's, he's on. He's, he's like undefeated in the UFC right now. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I think that's that. Hey, that's hey. probably a good one. Like a name that's up and coming, but like the tie has a solid shot to bounce back mm-hmm. from. Like that. That's a. Yeah, I like that fight. Um, but somebody like that, right? Like it's. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean he's, he's and he should take time off. I would take at least a year off or or you know nine months bare minimum because yeah you don't want. You don't want to keep eating big shots, and it's heavyweight, right? Like it's right. always big shots. And, and John knows, and he's thirty years old. Like he's not; he has time, right? Yeah. Like all the other heavyweights are like thirty-five, which are the the top heavyweights right now are like thirty-five years old. You know, that gives him so much time to, if he, to hit his prime, basically. Like it, it's kind of insane. Yeah. Like, will we ever, will we ever see Ty Tuivasa hit his prime? Well, that's the criticism that people, that's the criticism fans were saying while we were watching it live, John. Fans were just saying, hey, I wonder what, I wonder what Ty would be like in shape. Maybe this is the time. Maybe let his brain recover and let him get into like peak physical condition while he's still only 30. But a lot of Samoans, that's in shape to them. I'm going to tell you that right now. Brother, yeah, you've been around I, them. I grew up with them. I know. Yeah. I know. You know. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean, Samoans, that's in shape. I know that's, that's in shape. Their, like I know that's how they feel. Yeah. That's look. That's why it took not until BJ Penn was at the end of his career for him to see a nutritionist. You didn't see him have abs for fifteen yeah. of his 
20 years of fighting. So, but he did terrible know. at the end of his career. I'm, I'm not comparing <laughs> yeah. the, I'm not yeah. comparing his success. But I remember the tiptoe yeah. BJ Pitt, tiptoe BJ Pitt against oh. Frankie Edgar. That was the worst oh, BJ Pitt, dude. The tiptoe BJ Pitt. No, he came dude, in all no. Those tiptoes. no. Worst, Anyways, worst BJ Pitt was when he did. Polynesians have a superstition that we're not good fighters with abs. I don't know where that superstition came from, but I'm just kidding. It um, can be true. No, it could be true, but uh, I don't know what it is. But yeah, Ty, it, I think that would be great. Like, let's be honest. Like, he's young. He can put on. He can change his body type if he wants to. If he doesn't subscribe to the Samoan mystic arts, that that is perfect fighting physique, and we could see a, a totally new Tuivasa very soon. But Tuivasa is like he's one of he's like the type of fighter that um, that I'm a fan of. Like, really, like. Those are the type of fighters. Those are the fighters, right? The guys that don't turn down fights. You know what I mean? It's not the, it could, it's probably not the best thing for their career, right? Cause they do need to have some kind of like management guiding them through like certain matchups, right? Cause this is a sport. This is, this is a game. But the guys that are out there, there's just like put the name on the contract and I'll fight them at the highest level. It's like, yo, <laughs> That's that's another level of respect that I have for for certain fighters. That's why Ty will always be on the list of fighters. He could lose twenty in a row, dude. I just be like, yeah, I'm still like, I'll still watch him fight. It's like Dan Hooker. He's another guy that's just like top. He's top in the world, but he's he'll fight anybody. And that's why he just got management to guide him through certain matchups, right? Like, don't take every fight that they offer you, right? So that's what I'm just saying. He's Mark Hunt's protege, man. Like, I don't yeah. think he's ever getting in shape. I don't think I don't think he's ever turned it down a fight. I think he's living that Mark Hunt life, and I love it. Dude, so, I mean, Mark I'm Hunt not, has I'm, so many proteges. No right? He really has the Tafa brothers, who are his proteges as well, who are yeah. same. No. They're just out there knocking heads off. Yeah, no, <laughs> dude, Mark Hunt. I, I I always have to give a shout out when we mention Mark Hunt because he by far is the most successful non-champion. To ever like, ever. dude, that dude. Was it well, nine hundred thousand dollars a fight was it? Eight hundred, eight hundred k a fight, eight hundred k a fight, and he was fifteen and fifteen when he retired. Yeah. Like that dude, like that dude lost to Justin Willis right in his last fight when he was just over the hill. It was done and it was bad, and he got eight hundred k to lose That's to Justin saying. Willis. Yeah, man, uh, it, it's that was that was the Zufa era right there, boy. I, I mean, well, I mean, that's where I, I keep, I don't know how, how many times I have to tell fighters, right. When they're like, Oh, it's, it, they don't have enough money to pay out. I'm like, dude, you know, Arlovsky is making 400 K a fight right now. Like Arlovsky makes yeah. more than the Bantamweight and flyweight champions right now for fighting like Chase Sherman. And, <laughs> Do you have any and, idea? Yeah. And his, and his clothing, his, because he's fought so many fights, his venom like clothing deal is like, he gets a shit ton of money because of yeah, that. Yeah, he gets like 50 true. grand. No, I mean, yeah. I, again, shout out to Arlovsky too. It's just like, yeah, I'm just going to keep fighting forever and making a ungodly amounts of money fighting unranked heavyweights. Well, you, know what's, uh, you know what's completely bullshit is that um, I'm not saying it's bullshit that Arlovsky is getting paid that much because I think he should. I think it's bullshit that like someone like the Korean Zombie who had 10 straight main events in the UFC wasn't even getting paid half of what Arlovsky was getting paid. Oh, yeah. No, I mean that's 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 my main thing is like it, it's anytime somebody tries to push back and be like, oh, like fighter pay, blah blah blah. I'm like, look at what they paid Alistair Overeem. Look at what they mm-hmm. paid Mark Hunt. Look at what they paid Andre Arlovsky. And it wasn't like they they absorbed those pride contracts and then they tried to cut them because they could have cut both Arlovsky 
or Reem or Hunt easily. Like there, there are some clauses that may have protected them a little bit, but like they could have done that and they kept him around. So that's a whole other conversation. But yeah, I mean, it's, I, I love Ty. I, I hope he takes some time off. I hope yeah. He, he yeah, man. He's, he's, he's actually a good representative of the sport, to be honest with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. He doesn't try to be something he's not. He just kind of like plays it to the crowd. And, and it seems like everybody embraces him. Like I've been around Ty quite a few, quite a bit. And like, you know, he's kind of like a, just a regular dude, but when the lights and camera comes on, like, you know, he turns it up a little bit and, you know, you know, he has an image. I mean, it, it he's always going to be liked. I think, I don't think he's going to do anything yeah. like people that are going to be like, Oh, they hate him. No, he's, he's, he's always going to have a good position. Um, anyways, let's move on to the next fight. Uh, but before we get there, like I always do go to the descriptions, download the all-star app. If you guys watch baseball, and I know Pat, he loves the Phillies. He's always tweeting about them, and I have no idea what he's talking about because I, have, I don't know who the players are. Um, I know baseball, but I just don't know who the players are, right? But, yeah, so you watch baseball, football, college, you know, pro, whatever. You download the app. You could customize it. You get everything for you customized. Like, if you just want Philly news, just Philly news. If you want MLB news, just MLB news on top of Philly news, right? Like, you just customize it. If you want the fighting only, which I have, well, fighting in NFL because I kind of follow it a little bit. But yeah, that's that's how I customize mine. And how'd you customize yours, Jay Speg? What do you what sports do you have? Oh man, me and you copying each other. I run oh, with the NFL. Don't lie. And you just you, you don't have it customized. You just copy what I said. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's there. But the, it's there. It's oh there. yeah, he's wearing the San Francisco. You're a Frisco fan? Yeah, baby. My whole life. Okay. Red and red and gold till I'm dead and cold. What's up? There you go. There you go. Yes. I was a Frisco fan as well because they played the Cowboys. And I just, my brother was a Cowboys fan. So, you know, I had that back in the day. All right. So let's move on to the next one. Oh, this one is getting a lot of talk for the wrong reasons. Right. Manel Kopp. Uh, I think Manel Kopp is a future champion. Let's just say, I'm just going to put that out there. I think he has the skills to be a future champion. It's just like, will he get the fights to get there? That's the question. Will he get the fights to get there? Because this fight definitely showed not how good Cop is, but how good Dos Santos is. Like, Dos Santos clearly showed a couple of weaknesses in the game of Cop. Pat, did you see that? Yeah, I, th- I think he did. Um, you know, it, it was it was a fun fight, right? Like, I mean, they they stand and, and through but i mean definitely showed a couple of weaknesses in cop um i mean he got hit a lot right and, and we'd seen a little bit of this in the alex perez, perez loss and the you know but in those fights the interesting thing i found was cop in, in the two fights he lost cop didn't throw much volume right like he, he threw i think maybe like 50 or, or 60 strikes the entire time like a big thing was his hesitancy hesitancy to throw in this fight he threw like double what he's ever thrown or near double whatever he's ever thrown in the ufc and he was still getting hit quite a bit like he was he was coming in at weird angles he was just kind of throwing it i think that if, if you look at this performance it was super fun, and Dos Santos is not to be messed with. I think Dos Santos does have a future in bantamweight, right? Like, I 
he was supposed to be on contender series. I think he would have blown past his opponent and he would, if you like kind of ease him in, I think he'd be good. Um, but I think it did kind of show that cop cop needs to work a little bit more on his defense and he needs to know when to pull the trigger. Cause he was still having, he was biting feints. He was still having issues where Santos was just like throwing little things at him. And then cop would like shell up or wouldn't quite throw. Cause he was worried about getting hit by something. And so I, I think this was not the best performance for cop despite the knockdown, despite, you know, winning clearly. I, and, and that can happen, right? Everybody's had those fights before. Driscus, who we talked about earlier, uh, I forget who it was against, uh, Trevin Jones or whatever. He looked terrible until he got the knockout. Like, and that, that happens. I don't know if that's that, that this is that fight for Cop, but either way, not his best performance. Yeah, well, not his best performance, but he still gets the win, which is the best case scenario, right, for these guys, especially a guy that's, like, at the top of the division, and you just take a short north fight against uh, – uh, uh, unbeaten prospect you have no idea about but you know at least he gets at least he traveled the same distance you know what i mean I, I heard that he was already in vegas so and cop he trains out of vegas so like he goes in there cop um I, I he's a guy that i followed i followed for so long because i've known cop since like back in the rising days before he was a rising champion like i've interviewed him back then met him in phuket when he went the back when he was training at aka thailand um, he's always been this way. Some people like just started to find out about cop. Like, oh, this guy, he's on the mic, just going crazy. He's always been this way. Like, this is yes. not anything new. God. He's just a, it's, it's just a bigger cop for him. I'm, I'm getting flashbacks from the rise of tournaments, man. He, oh, yeah, man. he went crazy. Like, <laughs> went especially crazy. in a country where it's like a lot of respect stuff. You know what I mean? Like, that's something that's important. Like, he went there and he respect, but then he would go in on on his opponents. He's doing the same exact thing now. It's just a bigger platform. Um, it's nothing new. So uh, don't get mad at him about it. Well, you can if you want to. Uh, but, yeah, like, Dos Santos, man, those guys that shoot the box, the Diego Lima, the head coach, he's creating an army of kamikazes, dude. Like, mm -hmm. these guys are fearless, got sick chins, crazy striking, and the pressure is insane, right? It's it, is, it the, is it great for your longevity? Probably not. But is it is it a is it a good strategy against like a lot of these guys that are fighting? It is, it is a good strategy because a lot of these guys are not used to being pressured that 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 much. Look at the stats, man. Um, one thing about Cop is he's very accurate, right? 115 strikes landed out of 200 thrown, right? But look at Dos Santos—he threw 308 strikes and he landed more though, right? But the impact—that's what we gotta look at, right? Um, <clears throat> You know, head headshots, cop landed a little bit more, body shots, Dos Santos, legs, Dos Santos. But, uh, man, this fight was a lot closer than uh, I think a lot. Of, it, I think the knockdowns is is what uh, kind of sealed it for, for cop in this fight. He had a few, didn't he? He didn't just have one, did he? There's one that didn't call, didn't score officially as a knockdown, but, yeah, he should have, like. Yeah, it, sh it should have been, but, yeah, he should have at least two. I think maybe even three, but, like, yeah, yeah I mean. They only gave him one, which is whatever. But yeah, uh, he he definitely in, in the judge's eyes, it would have been the same, right? Like if I'm judging a yeah. fight and I see what happened, I would have counted multiple knock knockdowns for sure. So all right, so with cop, uh, it's clear as day, man. Like you you rebooked the Kai Car uh, France fight. Do that in New Zealand. I think they could do that because I think cop will play up the bad guy role 
and it's best to do it in the country of his opponent. And uh, I saw some picture of, uh, was it Dana White in Kaikar, France? And he said, uh, Auckland, something about Auckland. So maybe we'll see that in Auckland. That would be awesome to see uh, Cop go into enemy territory, maybe a main event fight night or something, five rounds against Kaikar, France. I think that's a perfect case scenario. If Cop wins, he gets a title shot because Kaikar, France is, you know, he's one of the guys at the top of the division, fought for the title already. Uh, Jay Speck, what do you think? What do you think we should do with Cop? I, Cop is exactly what you said, dude. There's nothing else that should be done. I'm going to just, sorry, I'm jumping behind my buddy John here. Exactly what he just said. That's what needs to happen. The fight is interesting. It's meaningful. It's like, what should be done? We got a location. We got like everybody involved. Everything's set up. Like the fans are ready. I'm ready to show up. Like, when does it happen? Just give me the date. Um, uh, because there's, there's really nothing else for him. He already did uh, a solid, right? He took a short-notice opponent. He took a guy that was clearly more dangerous than anybody saw coming. And I'm going to talk about that in a second. So he he did a solid for the company. He had a lot to lose here. He fought a game bird, gave us a great fight, got the performance of a night bonus. Um, so, like, I, I, from that perspective, like, you, you nailed it, Mr. Cop. Like, you did everything you should do and can do as a fighter. Um, so with that being said, the very next thing is just do what was supposed to be done, get you in that fight that could, you know, bring you into that conversation of championship uh, conversations and whatnot. So, yeah, John, I, I for lack of originality, buddy, I got to copy and paste on that one. I, I'm going to go to uh, Mr. Dos Santos, though. Like, bro, nominate him for debutant of the year. Like, of course he didn't get the dub, but... Holy shit. Uh, yeah, we could we could critique Manel Cop's technique or whatever, but it, he went in there and he had a guy in his face, like you said, like vintage shoot the box style, just in your shit, bringing it to you. And maybe like we talked about Adesanya earlier, you know, like once you get popped in the face and you got a game bird in front of you, somebody who wants to fight you. They, they're not here to they're not here to compete in MMA against you. They're here to fight you. They want to beat you up. And that's what he was facing. So he had to make those adjustments. He found a way to do it. But hell yeah, Dos Santos, I mean, I am I am already a fan. We talked about like you brought, brought up longevity. I obviously I want longevity for all fighters, but if you can come in on the scene, okay, so you're not undefeated anymore. But you trade that one loss for like instant recognition. Everybody in our watch party was a, a Dos Santos fan. Everybody wants to see him fight again. So it's like Maybe not longevity, but shit, you're shooting sh straight to onto people's radar. So there you go. Those are all my thoughts about that fight. Um, with uh, with Cop, right? I think that he'll grow from this from this experience. Maybe Cop underestimated Dos Santos, and I think Cop met, might have dos uh, underestimated his opponents when he first entered the UFC. To be honest with you, and uh, he wasn't just performing at the highest level. And maybe this was the same case. Because Cop, he's very confident. He's a very if you've seen him, if you heard him speak, you, you know that he is. Um, so we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with Dos Santos. You never know. Dos Santos might have this uh, this performance, and we're talking so highly of him. And then his next performance is against another prospect, and he loses to him. And then next thing you know, we don't never see him again. Who knows, right? But Cop, that's not the case. We know he's one of the best in the world, and uh, and hopefully he does get set up against Kai Car France. Do you like that idea, Pat? 
Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I don't have too many more points to add because you both killed it. So, uh, but yeah, I, li- I like that fight. Um, I know they there's a rumor and, and it was asked um, at the press conference and Dana kind of dodged it, but they talked about a UFC Auckland card, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think it makes sense. You had, that's, that's your headliner right there. It's Kaikara yeah. versus um, Cobb. I think that's probably the biggest city kickboxing fight you could make right now, given that yeah. six of their guys just fought. So I think that's what you do. And yeah, I love that fight. I, I don't know how you match them up against anyone else unless somebody gets real injured or something happens. Cause yeah, that's definitely the fight. Yeah. I think it's uh it'd probably be like, it, it's either it will be Dan Hooker and Kai Carl France and one of them will headline. Right. And one yeah. of them will co-headline. I think that's the, the double whammy because Adesanya will never fight in New Zealand again. So and Dan and Kai, they, they'll both fight in New Zealand. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Everybody that's watching, please leave a comment on uh, who you thought was the best performer of the night because there was a lot of finishes. Let me put some of the, the fight on the card. Right now I put the, the app, the All-Star app. You guys could get that app in the descriptions, download it. You can make picks on UFC fights. So I want to get into the next three fights right in a row. Um, if you look on the screen, you got Tafa. Uh, Justin Taffa getting the first round KO. Whenever I pick Justin Taffa, I always put first round KO because that's what usually happens either way. <laughs> so that's yep. the pick, and I got yep. it all right. Um, and then you got uh, Tyson Pedro with the with the first round knockout uh, against uh, the Pleasure Man, and then you got Carlos Erberg's o- Olberg's third round submission win over uh, Taun Jung. Of course, I couldn't pick against the Korean. I just can't do that, right? So. Out of these three, Justin Taffa, Pedro, Tyson Pedro, and Carlos Olberg, who do you feel that has the brightest future between these three? I think it's Olberg, and I think it's Olberg by a mile. Um, you know, he he has looked really, really good in a lot of his fights. Um, obviously, he had the Kennedy uh, – Ninjuku fight where he he got knocked out after just lighting Kennedy up for so long. Um, and I think since then, he's been a little bit more conservative. You've noticed it in his last two fights. I was surprised he didn't throw more strikes here. He eventually started to, right? Like once he started to get comfortable. Uh, but Ung is not, you know, a slouch. Ung, Ung is definitely, you know, 15 Jung, and four. Jung. Or Jung, Jung. sorry. Jung. Uh, is, is, uh, Jung, Jung is definitely not a slouch, right? Like he's, he's 15 and four now after the loss, but he's 15 and three. He had some notable wins um and and some a weird fight against sam alvey but if you take out the fight with sam alvey like i mean he's he's a good up-and-coming prospect and so like you know it's one of those things where olberg showed the tools that can take him farther right he still has ways to go he's got a step up in competition do all that but yes when it comes to tafa and pedro tafa is is as you said Right, like he just—it's—I'm gonna throw. I'm, I'm Mark Hunt style, Tattoo Ivasa style. I'm gonna throw it. I'm gonna knock guys out, or I'm gonna get knocked out. But you know, that that style I don't think shows longevity. I think that's got a ceiling to it, especially with how good heavyweight's gotten. Um, and then Pedro, I, I mean, has looked good against kind of subpar competition. I would say, right? Like Anton is okay but i mean his last couple wins ike villanueva um uh henry hunsucker right like yeah like those those are like 
pretty, you know, entry-level guys. And then you look at the guys he's lost to recently. The fact he lost to a very old uh, Shogun who, uh, uh, St. Pru, uh, I mean, uh, Modestos. That that by far was like kind of the test of like, okay, are you ready to kind of get back up and step into this? And he, he lost what I thought was a pretty clear decision. And it's like, I think his ceiling's, we kind of know what his ceiling is. He'll be a fun, unranked gatekeeper that has a name, but... Um, I, I just don't see him going as far. Olberg, I think, you know, still got that chance to climb the ladder, and I think he's 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 well on his way. I, I'm hoping we get a real step up in competition. He's exciting to watch, right? Like he's always finishing the fights, except against you know Fabio Sharat, which is the weirdest person to decision. But any other fight, it's a KO submission or something else. So. <laughs> Out of all the people in the decision on that list, would not have guessed Fabio Sherratt was the one who decision. Um, yeah, uh, Olberg, he's sitting at 32 years old. Pedro's actually younger than Olberg at 31. Down Jung is 29 years old. These guys are all around their prime, right? And, and you know, some of them, you never know what's going to materialize in the next three years, right? Like, this is the this is the the chunk of time where you really have to watch these fighters, right? Jung is a little bit younger than these guys. And I think that uh, he has a lot of holes, right? Cause if you look at Jung and his, in his last three fights, right? He just lost a striking battle to Olberg basically. And he just got kind of beat down and then submitted at the end. And then he lost a wrestling battle, a grappling battle with Devin Clark. Who's, these are kind of like two specialists, right? Devin Clark's more of a grappler specialist lost to him. Oberg's more of a striker, lost to him with strike, but he lost by submission and whatnot. Uh, Jacoby, he was just knocked out by a striker, and that was like the highest level striker he's faced, I think, in his career so far. It was knocked out. He needs to take a step back. He needs to find um, he needs to find a secondary gym, I think, a gym that has a lot of light heavyweights, heavyweights, and middleweights. Because I think the the gym that he's training at right now, great coaching in Korea, but Asians, man, they're not that big. And to kind of narrow it down to find the training partners for for Jung, it's it's going to be hard, right? Because he's not normal. How many Asians are in like the light heavyweight, heavyweight, and even middleweight divisions? You could probably count them on your hand. How many there are total? It's yeah, it's few and far between. Exactly right. So it just shows you that you know a a, a light heavyweight or middleweight is like finding a heavyweight in the world in Asia, right? So it's. I think he, he he has room for improvement, but Allberg, yes, I agree with you. He is very good, man. He he has shown that he's very good. I a lot of people are clouded by his looks and the bachelor and all of this stuff outside the cage, but this dude has proven that he's he's a dude that is a a, a solid solid uh, up and comer. And he, I think it was smart for him to call out Dominic Reyes. What do you think, Jay Spec? Man, so here we go. Of the three gentlemen who won, I want to evaluate them. The losers get no evaluation. I'm just kidding. Um, so, first off, Tyson Pedro. You guys called it. No disrespect. He's I, – I, I, I kind of feel pat. I think we know who he is. I think we're going to – he'll be fun for some fights. Very, you know, win for some fights, but not expecting world championship status, you know. Um, now – you guys are also, I also agree that you guys are also right. As far as Carlos Olberg is the clearly the most uh, developing fighter, most evolving as he's come out in different fights. You can see his skills, 
getting better and better. Um, I've criticized. Kind of was criticizing him, seeing if how his grappling was going to go. I know it was a very small sample size against Mr. Jung, but he looked pretty good for the moments that he had to do it. So as far as uh, going up the hill, so to speak, Mr. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Mr. Uh, Oberg is the guy who's evolving, looking good, doing so. But here's where it gets crazy. I just use looking good. And this is where I think things get weird. You said, who's going to have the most pop or the biggest flair? I forget the exact question John used. But I think the public, I think MMA fans, and more, most specifically the male MMA fans, I'm calling y'all out because I'm all this new watch parties. I'm hearing y'all. Yo, y'all insecure over Carlos Olbrich. There's tweets. There's memes. There's stuff out there that's like, what do you do when your girl asks who's that fighting and it's Carlos Oberg, you know, and he's supposed to block the camera, right? That that lets let the letter see. I mean, hey, that's all funs and jokes, whatever is. But I really think that a handsome fighter, so to speak, can have some parasitic drag on your name. That guys are more reluctant to talk or be your fan over a handsome guy. I want to be a fan of a handsome guy. I think it's easier to be a fan of a Justin Taffa. A guy with a killer fucking porn stash who knocks brothers out and does silly dances at the end. That's a guy who's easy to be a fan of and you don't have to worry about if you're thinking of those other stuff. You don't got to worry about it. Plus, an X Factor. There's double Tafas in the heavyweight division. And I know everybody should know they're two different people and they're brothers. But psychologically, if fans are regularly seeing the Tafa last name on a card with knockout attached to that name, I think it's possible that Justin Taffa, out of these three that we mentioned, could have the biggest pop, biggest fanfare overall when things are said and done. But I expect athletically Mr. Oberg to probably reach the highest of the rankings. And that's my thoughts on those three guys. Yeah, well, when you look at like athletic, athletically gifted, you could you could tell Oberg is probably the most out of the three genetic lottery the guy's a genetic yeah. lottery come on he's a freak he's a genetic freak right like look at him um and yeah but he's, he's a luke rockle he's, he's a alan joe Bass. exactly right? without exactly. the shitty bitchy attitude <laughs> that we know <laughs> that we know yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly there's a lot of things out there that you don't know about you know fighters and whoever right With the they, have certain images. <laughs> they have certain images but that image is not reality right, right. so we got to keep that in mind um but strictly fighting wise man you got to kind of lean towards Olberg, right you got to lean towards it just from recent history and the level of competition and how he's like kind of like fought to the level like he's fought to that level right and beyond it by beating these guys so Olberg, there you go man last um, part of your question was do, uh, the call out to reyes smooth yeah, yeah, move right. smooth move actually i thought it was a great I thought it was a great usage of his time on the map. Also a good uh, person he could beat, recognizable name, all this kind of stuff you're talking about. Well done. Yeah, you have to. Like, if you're an up-and-comer, you want to attack the wounded prey that's above you. That's the way that you should plan it out, right? Not like, oh, yeah, of course you want to fight the best guys, but you are going to fight the best guys in championship fights. So to get to that point, you want to fight the favorable matchups if you can, right? So... We'll see. We'll see. We never know. You know, they might get matched up and Reyes comes out, you know, super yoked and 
uh, vintage Reyes and just blows Olberg's head off. Who knows? Who knows? Right. right? But but we don't know. We don't even know if they're going to put that fight together. I, I I doubt that it'll happen. To be honest with you, I doubt sure. it. Um, now moving on to the prelims, right? So we had a couple of prelims. Uh, let's see. We had Jenkins uh, against Chepe. We had Malarkey McDessey Hak Parast versus Quinones, Bloods, Blood Diamond versus Radke, uh, Young Miranda, and Crosby, Giuseppe. So, any of those fights, wh- what was the best fight for you out of those, you know, of the night, um, Pat? Um, for me, I think it was Hakaras versus uh, Quinones, right? Like, I mean, that fight was... A lot of people expected Quinones to, it's another contender series guy that got called up um, to, you know, because of people dropping out. Uh, Hakaras is, is definitely uh, a dangerous guy. Like he, he is, he's had some mis, misfires, but he's solid and he's a dangerous guy, especially, you know, at the right on the edge of the bubble of rankings. And this fight like delivered. I mean, they threw down, right? Like it, they went on a crazy pace you know, Quinones was was tired like midway through round two, but found a way to just keep throwing. Um, I, you know, this is one of those fight of the night type fights for me. Um, like there were a couple on this card. This was one of them. This was just banger. Uh, so I think, I think this was a great showing. I think both men's stock rise after this one, just because again, um, I, I despite Quinones not making it past the first round of the ultimate fighter uh you know they say quarterfinalists there's only quarterfinals so he, he didn't make it out of there but I, I think he demonstrated that he can be action he can throw and that's something you want to do if you're trying to get into the ufc and, and you're going to take that first loss right if you want to demonstrate you can throw down and fight they're more likely to give you more opportunities um so maybe he pans out maybe he doesn't but i'm excited to see his next fight that was right again always solid um and then, yeah, a couple of the other fights were, were all right, but they were semi-expected, I guess. Um, you know, it was one of those things. Uh, obviously, the Jack Jenkins one was not because that was just a weird injury, uh, which, Gross. you know, yeah, I mean, sucks. Like I, I hate when fights end that way because it's just – it's a no-win for anybody. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it was an interesting fight up until then. I thought it was much closer. Uh, like I'd say round one of that fight was was solid. Right, uh, much closer than I think people thought it would be, but yeah, for me, it, it's Nazrite versus Quinones for sure, uh, or or the lightweight Gastelum as he's called, right? Like that's <laughs> yeah. that's that's the fight for me on that one. Uh, Blood Diamond, I will say this: Blood Diamond versus Radic should have never been on the card. Blood Diamond was a favor. That's that. That's that. Hey, City Kickboxing, we're gonna throw you a favor, a la Nate Diaz. I forget. Or Nick Diaz, I forget the name of his boy. Nick Diaz, uh, when he came back, one of his Max, Max of, something, right? Well, no, there was there was Max who was like his his protege, but then there was a guy that came on that had fought in Bellator once, was like a two in one fighter. Oh, or something. I know, what you, yeah, I and like got yeah, destroyed. There was two of them. There was two. Yeah, of them. there were a couple. Yeah, and it's just that. like it's clearly just like doing a favor for you know somebody that you want on the card. I think this was a city kickboxing favor because Blood yeah. Diamond trains out of there, right? It's like. This is not a UFC level caliber guy. He's now three and three. Uh, he needs more experience before he even gets to that level. So, yeah, I mean, that's my thoughts on the prelims. 
I'd say. Yeah. Well, I, I'm happy to see Kevin Jusset finally get his UFC chance. You know, I mean, he's been kind of, you know, working his way up through the Australian, New Zealand scene, became champion in, in some of the promotions out here. And uh, he goes in there, gets the first round submission. So he looked pretty good. It looks like he's going to be moving forward. Um, Shane Young, man, that, I think that's four in a row for him, which is not good. Um, most likely he's not going to be. And Miranda, man, he he melted through him pretty easily, right? Miranda, I picked him, actually. Um, Blood Diamond, yeah, he's probably not going to be fighting for the UFC anymore. Um, but he could work himself back. You never know. He's still young. He doesn't have that many MMA fights, to be honest. So he could go back to the regional right. scene, fight a couple, and then take, his, take advantage of it. You know what I mean? Like, it's never at the end of the world. You got to look at it realistically. Um, but other than that, yeah, uh, this fight was probably the fight of the night. Uh, that and Cop versus uh, Dos Santos, right? Those two went at it. Um, those, that was fun. Malarkey, McDessie wasn't a bad fight. I think Malarkey did a good job of kind of preparing for, for McDessie's style. And McDessie, he's 38 years old. Um, he's good enough. But, man, I think he's reached a point where it's like, you know, you're not beating the the middle of the division, which is not a good sign, right? Well, he's fighting once a year. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. and and, and, he's are, and in fairness, he he did pretty good for a guy. Yeah, I he, thought I thought he was gonna get smoked for a guy. Some people thought he won. Yeah, I, yeah. a lot of people. If you look at MMA decisions, I thought he won personally. And then if you look at MMA decisions, I think two only two people gave him malarkey. Like the rest all gave Mac Desi. I'm 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 leading that he kind of I don't know that it's like a robbery robbery. I wouldn't necessarily that say that, but like I, I thought he won the fight. I think I think there's a fair amount of people who it did. It was so. close. Yeah. It was yeah, a very was, close fight. Yeah, but if you look yeah. at the statistics, you know, you like the it like total strikes edges for uh for Malarkey, but just barely, and then the head strikes is more on uh, McDessie's side, but body and the kicks is all malarkey. If you look at the I, statistics, right? I, um, I want to use this moment to just throw admonishment just for a quick moment. You know, John, because, bro, you interview a lot of fighters, and we hear these guys talk to us and, you know, talk to me too, and they're always trying to get some attention and stuff. And I'm just going to say this. Mike Mathea, formerly Blood Diamond, uh, I'm only going to call you your legal name from now on. Dude, people try real hard and work a, like a lot to get, obviously, into the UFC, and you have too, and I'm not saying that. But, dude, you have a nickname. People recognize you. Blood Diamond is the most recognizable loser in the UFC. Like, And he went out there and performed in such a half-ass, piss-poor manner that I'm actually hoping he gets cut because I just don't like when certain fighters get these pushes, get these favors, get the nickname, get all the stuff, and they go in and they fight in a way like they didn't even want to be in there in the first place. Damn, so, why you got to be so harsh on him, man? It happens, why sorry. Why you got to be like that? Blood Diamond is a <laughs> nice guy, man. Like, you know, he's he's never been out there, like, talking crazy, you know what I mean? Like, but I understand where you're coming from, though, J-Spec. It, like, let's say Blood Diamond fought these fights on the regional scene and got a couple more wins and then entered the UFC, we would be seeing a different type of fighter, to be honest with you. I think he, he, I think he just, the experience level, man, is just different. And uh, Racky, he, I, let's, let's, Racky, was, he didn't have the best performance either, right? Like, come on. It's just, it was not a fight that you'd, you'd show, like, a, a, a person that 
is a, not even a fan of the sport and you show them this fight, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm not watching that. Anyways, um, <laughs> all the best to uh, Blood Diamond and Shane Young. And hopefully, you know, if they do get cut, you know, they make it onto the um, make it back somehow. Fight on the regional scene something. All right. One last thing before we uh, take off that I want to talk about because, of course, my man Pat is on the show is the sale of Bellator because it seems like it's getting closer and closer and closer. And I would like to get uh, J-Spec's uh, thoughts on it as well from his perspective as a guy that watches the sport because everybody is looking at it through a different lens. Um, so the, the newest revelation is that, well, Errol Hawani has reported that the sale of Bellator is imminent and it looks like PFL is going to end up buying Bellator and we saw recently that PFL just got a huge uh, investment, right, of what, $100 million from the Sa Saudi Arabia? I forgot what company, what country it is, Saudi Arabia, I believe, right? Yeah. Pat? Yeah. Yeah. So tell us what that means. First, the $100 million investment or whatever amount investment. And then is the sale eminent? Let, let's go into that. We'll let you speak a little bit and then we can feed off what you say. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, I mean, in terms of, right, like there's there's been a lot of rumors around the sale. There's been different reporting. Now it seems that it's imminent, right? The Kiwani's usually on top of that. Um, it's when will they announce it? What's, you know, the deal there? But the, the Saudi investment, um, basically Saudi Arabia and Qatar are fighting each other to become the next... Um, like economic hub and, and trying to make the, their respective countries, the economic hub in the middle East, right? Like that's part of the Qatar world cup. That's part of Saudi Arabia giving money to um, WWE and live golf, right. And buy like Saudi Arabia has bought a bunch of um, soccer teams, like we're in where they've bought like well-known soccer teams and, taken a lot of prospect players and moved them there. Obviously, Cristiano Ronaldo is the huge signing. That was like 800 million or something crazy to go play in Saudi Arabia. Some unreal amount of money. But so they have these funds that are basically money that's earmarked specifically for investing or like helping to grow sports. And so um, the they have, it comes from a 650 I think billion dollar or million dollar for like some ungodly amount of money fund. Then they have this fund, the SRJ, which is called surge. That's how you're supposed to pronounce it. Uh, and through that fund, it was announced not that long ago, like a couple of weeks ago, a month ago, whenever they made the announcement that PFL was getting the money because PFL was their first investment in a hundred million dollars. And what that signaling is they're trying to get into the MMA game, similarly to how they did with live golf how they have with soccer right there this is an opportunity they see of okay if we throw enough money here right they now have francis Ngannou. they're talking about bringing other fighters on jake paul is under the banner clarissa shields right like this is enough money we're going to try and throw at this to you know bring events to saudi arabia help sports wash right if, if that's what you want to call it from a political standpoint of the the human rights violation stuff this is a way to kind of help their image it's good pr for them uh this is what they're trying to do and and they've been trying to do it for a while in different sports mma is just its most recent target um in terms of the deal with bellator 
the interesting thing to me is going to be PFL has basically staked their entire company off of being a different business model where it's a tournament. It's all meritocratic, right? Based on the season and playoff rules. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. I say that, right. Natan Levy is, uh, you know, or at home or not Natan Levy. Uh, Natan Natan is, yeah. Is at home, you know, cursing right now, uh, rightfully so. But, but I mean, that's, that's their gimmick is like the differentiation, right? If you're talking about strategic um, competitive strategy, their, their differentiation is their their model that they're using tournament only format and all this if you buy bellator you get a bunch of name fighters outside of the ufc which is great but are you're gonna have a much more bloated roster now right and the question is you know bellator has done a lot of tournaments too like how do you get that together they've already kind of hinted at what they're doing with the saudi money where they're starting a uh, MENA region PFL league, similar to what they've done with PFL Europe. And they want to do a world tournament, which I think is an interesting idea. It's a good gimmick uh, where, okay, you're going to have everybody fight through their own like countries or, or global positioning tournament, and then have everybody come together for a world's championship tournament. Great. Makes sense. I don't know if you add Bellator fighters into those different tournaments. I don't know if you have Bellator be its own separate tournament and then, that the winner of that gets to be thrown in the world championships too. I'm just not sure how they're going to integrate Bellator into the PFL model, because whenever you have a merger and acquisition, right? Like it's a complicated process. You're going to have duplicate jobs. People are going to lose their jobs, front office people. Fighters are going to get cut because they're just going to have to get cut. And once you eliminate those redundancies, you have this brand new company and you kind of see where it goes. I have no idea how the PFL plans to use Bellator outside of taking their biggest name fighters and inserting them into the tournaments like that makes plenty of sense, but it's an interesting call because by absorbing Bellator, right, they become the de facto number two promotion. And Don Davis has said, look, they're trying to actually become a co-leader in this. I don't know that it actually helps in that regard. It's step one in getting more like every fighter, not under UFC contract. That's a bigger name outside of the one championship guys. Now, everybody's under one umbrella. That's great, but there's still so many other hurdles and things in the way. It doesn't just equate like stock drops. Endeavor and WWE stock plummeted after this happened because everybody's like, oh, it's live golf. It's not live golf. They're, until the antitrust lawsuit is done and some major changes are made to UFC contracts, I don't think this does much at all because you, you can't go get an Israel Adesanya. You can't go get a Conor McGregor, even if you want to, because they're under eight fight, nine fight deals, right? Like it's not a coincidence that all of the champions before their most recent title defenses, you hear Jorge Masvidal signed a seven fight deal with the UFC. McGregor, before when he came back, eight fight deal with the UFC. There's a reason they've done that. They've locked those guys down. Until that changes, UFC's brand power is too strong. I don't think PFL Bellator is able to challenge it, but it is, it is the biggest threat to the UFC. I will say this since pride and strike force. I will. Well, pride was a bigger threat than uh, at the time, but since strike, that's where they bought them. That's where they yeah. bought them. That's where yeah. they bought them. Cause at that time during that era, you could do that. You could, the UFC yeah. could go over there and buy them. Now it'd be much harder, right? With the, yeah. with all oh, the yeah. attention that they have with all the lawsuits and everything, 
that's yes. going on right now. It's much, much harder for them. Um, but focusing on like Bellator and PFL, JSpec as a as a as a spectator, you've been watching PFL more than probably all three of us, um, or at least two of us right here that are that are on the show. Like, what 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 would the impact be for if Bellator roster was infused into the PFL and they just ran the same thing next year with the with the PFL roster? Uh, well, with the PFL Bellator roster infused. Gotcha, gotcha. So. You know, going back to the, the the start of this, the initial reaction from fans because this I've brought up this conversation quite a bit because I was actually looking forward to this. I'll explain that in just a minute, but like this could be like Pat just said, the most significant threat, uh, most significant mo- fusion in MMA's history because we have two legitimate companies that are sought as and you can you can get into a debate about it but everybody ranks PFL you know two or three or Bellator two or three so either way the two or three on everybody's list and you're fusing two and three together I just think that will have a definite spike in interest into the PFL just because now the the names it's like you said it's everybody that's recognizable that's not there the question part is how many people get left over i first heard about this possible merger from thankfully from chris brennan whose son lucas brennan fights in bellator and he you know kind of broke it a little early and he said well you know for my son i think we're okay because he's undefeated and he's ranked probably the top 25 percent of the roster from bellator gets absorbed and Everybody else, maybe the top 50%, but the top 25% and everybody else gets cut. The reality is if you took the top 50% or the top 25% of both rosters and you really did write all the names down, dude, that's a solid list of people. (laughs) It's a super solid list of people, man. So I think you start crossing once you get that together. I know PFL is struggling to get onto the whole pay-per-view model, and that's always where every fighting brand has to be. But with all of that coming together, because that was the other question around PFL that I get asked all the time. How the hell are they going to have pay-per-views, man? They only got Francis. How long is that going to work? Well, I think it kind of works now that you got all this other stuff. Last but not least, PFL, like the UFC, probably is looking at, hey, ESPN, how much they want from you guys? How much they want to juice you for all that MMA content? We can make a whole bunch of MMA content. I bet you for a little bit cheaper. And with that being said, now you could have a bigger thing going on where now last i know it's a long answer but i've talked to a lot of people on how could this work this could work beautifully you could have the problem with bellator right and the problem with pfl that people feel is they're just not on enough the people love the pfl format they love the season but when the season dries up or the gaps in between you know the weight classes and the regular season format it it kills the draw people like bellator not as much as pfl i think but they they hate and even the fighters for them they hate how how few fights they put on they're on one like once a month i think you can actually solve all of these problems like this merger you're saying we want more fights yeah they want more <laughs> yeah they want more fights because they don't they don't get to be seen as often people don't recognize bellator fighters because they're not on ufc is on every single week 
even the junk people that you that the junk cards that people complain about they don't they get to be seen all the time so now if you had pfl and bellator fighters fused together fighting a little bit more frequently creating a natural top eight where that playoff grand prix format can really shine man you got a lot of elements dude and i really 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 like and people have really been receptive to the concept of a world championship having those region the europe africa wherever else they might earmark as a you know whatever it's all continents let's just guess it's all continents and a real world championship for the first time in mma holy shit but who knows it's, i don't know if you can buy great, that with a hundred million dollars it's a great concept and it's sexy and all but it will never happen there's no you're gonna run tournaments in different parts of the world and you expect that to be perfect your your regular season was filled with grenades and landmines and explosions but those are the lower tier guys like those regional ones they only give the winner of that like 100k no i'm so saying like, like running the system it's not about oh, the money it's not about it's yeah. about running the system they can't even run the system properly in america how yeah, can I mean, they the, run the, the former, system the around former the way? rob wilkinson right like popped it got pulled yeah. from the tournament the former well, like yeah obviously that was ugly but look they immediately jumped to the best answer they could find usada i hate usada but from a public standpoint isn't that the best answer you could throw at that problem yes so here here's the one thing i i will say and this is this is always true in business especially you know as someone that does consulting for startups right like uh it, it's the perception right like we know the reality. We pay attention. You know, John, you and I have, have watched PFL shows. We know what the ratings are like. We know the, the God, what was it? PFL season three of the playoffs was like eight hours and there was just nothing. Wow. Like it was, it was terrible. But when you're going to sell to an investor, AKA, you know, Surge or anyone else, because right, you've got Kevin Hart, you've got all your friends investing together, blah, blah, blah. There are, a ridiculous amount of investors who know nothing have a ton of money from whatever reason because they made money either you know talk about surge we're talking about uh you know the rock who's invested in this right like a, what have you and and they they know nothing about it they hear a pitch from their friend like hey hear this pitch and then you have an hour or or you bring them to a show and you're like hey like here's the, here's my chance to sell you on this and merger and acquisition sounds great like it doesn't matter that like it's 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 gonna have all the problems and all this other stuff. If you're going out and you're telling people like, hey, we bought what was the number two de facto MMA promotion, like that's how much we're growing. We also got 20 different sponsors, right? Like they listed out Budweiser, um, Bose, a whole bunch of other things. That helps you go to more vendors and say, like, look, we've got all these guys, we're growing, we're booming, you wanna get in on this. And you you sell them on the FOMO. I I the amount of investors. And I know who have thrown money at awful, awful ideas just because someone could sell it correctly and had just the right stuff to back it up is insane. I mean, that's like, there, there are so many companies. There's another MMA promotion we both might know where I've seen that happen and it's ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's crazy. And so I, I'm not, uh, the one thing I will say is this will make a big splash. And it will be good for marketing and it will help a lot. I don't know how it actually works behind the scenes, but that, I mean, JSPEC has a point there. It will look good. And perception is like 90% of this stuff half the time. 
Well, with with this, of course, you know, you want to see competitors. You do want to see competitors. Um, you know, merging is a good idea for many different reasons, but being separate is also a good thing for fighters because it gives you more options and and free agency is is more prevalent. But if you take away one promotion, free agency there's there's less options for the major fighters, right? There's less options for the highest level fighters. Um, but the the money thing is so interesting because, like you said, live golf and and these guys are going in there and buying soccer teams and throwing like eight hundred, nine hundred. That's crazy amounts of money, dude. That's like nearing billion dollars for an athlete, right? And could they do that? Like like you said, the, there's contracts with the UFC and all of that stuff, and there are a lot of fighters are signing eight deal eight fight contracts. But can they go steal these guys away? that are not in eight fight contracts can uh, they're like two fights left they just fight out their contracts because they know that win or lose live whatever you want to call it pfl they're they're telling them behind the scenes i know it's illegal and everything but behind the scenes they're telling these guys yo get out of your like fight your contract out and we'll sign you for this amount of money and it's much more than what you're getting paid by the ufc could that be a could that be something that that is being played absolutely absolutely and i don't i don't have the business smarts that mr pat has but i'll tell you this the the saudi arabia qatar and all them they, they're putting money in all kinds of sport and sport adjacent stuff there's all kinds of econ like world ma like economic stuff that goes into this answer but i'm not gonna waste my time jabbering about that the point is they got shit tons of money a shit ton of money like they this is just a little sprinkle they threw on it just to see like if there's any nibbles if they want to make a move if they really want to make a move on mma they got enough money to buy everybody i think it's i i think it's one of those things where the best example i can come up with for an analogy is is what's going on in pro wrestling right now right which is um aw is challenging wwe and I don't know if you guys follow pro wrestling at all, but like uh, essentially like in, in that scenario, you have the owner, a billionaire owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars son being payroll to like create a competitor for WWE. And that's a little bit different because the contracts aren't as restrictive and there are like more outs. So you've got stars going back and forth. But I think that is a prime example where the money and what you have in the bank is great, but you got to remember that like the UFC brand image, even if Liv can pull this off or, or Liv equivalent, really, right? Like you pull off what Liv did um, with, with Surge. Like if even if PFL can pull this off, it will take a long, long time to erode that brand power. I mean, you've got 65% of the Contender Series guys being signed, and it's probably going to be higher this season. And they're backfilling people and letting go of more no then go to the PFL or go to Bellator or go wherever to help cut off, cut down in costs and their ticket prices and gates and their viewership is still just incredible. UFC is killing it. And so the contract thing is the biggest issue because the UFC will also, and in their contracts right now, which I, you'd have to get a judge to strike this down besides it being just crazy restrictive and all the things they can do to extend it, right? Like take a look at Francis Ngannou. 
they knew Francis was probably leaving. They tried to schedule something for him when they knew his visa was going to expire and extended it out. Like they've got all those little tricks. But beyond all that, they have a matching rights period. And if the UFC at any point thought like, hey, we are actually like in trouble here in terms of somebody offering a ton of money and taking a star, like Serge isn't just going to throw like Ronaldo money at this because it's not, you know, at that level. But they could match an offer, which would force PFL to invest a ton in one fighter or a couple fighters. And that's that's something that, you know, I'm not even sure would work. Even Live Golf, right? Like they got a bunch of people to leave the, the PGA Tour to go over there. And now eventually they're merging. But did it, and P, PGA was still, if you follow golf, PGA was the tour. UFC is still yeah. going to be the brand. And they're going to have a bunch of fighters that, are going to see some number from the UFC and be like, man, I don't even need ex- any extra money. I'm going to take this amount of money the UFC has given me, which is more than they would have gotten before. And I'm fighting for the best promotion in the world, the recognizable promotion, the platform. And it's going to, they're going to lock up the main guys and it's going to be very hard for Surge and PFL to, to truly erode at that. It's going to take I, decades. I think honestly, unless the antitrust lawsuit changes things. If they, if they limit contracts, all bets are off. But otherwise, I mean, it's the brand power is too strong. The next few years are going to be very, very interesting, especially, you know, you know, pertaining to like contracts and uh, lawsuits and all, you know, like behind the scenes stuff. It's going to be interesting because it will impact the fighters tremendously. Yeah. What, what the next, next six months are going to be huge if the okay. appeals court does because they've set a trial date for the lawsuit. They've they fast tracked it finally. So. If the appeals court doesn't pick up the UFC stuff for whatever reason, that trial starts April, I think, 1st or April 2nd. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's humongous if they would have to go to trial or settle. Um, I mean, I think the appeals court will pick it up. It'll be a whole thing. But either way, it's, it's going to be the next 12 months are crucial for many pieces. Um, if boxing has had this problem before, and what they did was they canceled basically contract links so that anybody could like you immediately were free from any contract restrictions. If the UFC got that injunctive relief put on them by the plaintiffs and the antitrust lawsuit, could you imagine if we wake up uh, like we wake up one day and suddenly all fighters are able to go wherever they want? Yeah. Then you've got chaos for days. Uh, that's called independent contractor. Yes, that's what it should be. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 going to be crazy, but. Without the UFC antitrust lawsuit, I guess my point is this this goes n- nowhere fast. It doesn't matter how much money you throw at it, whatever. You'll get an Nganu, you'll get one or two big stars. But it's it's the casual fan who doesn't watch anything except for the occasional big UFC fight because, oh, they've heard of it, whatever. Not going to affect them, right? Like, I don't see that being the case. I got a question. Obviously, we're talking about the implications of the antitrust lawsuit, but what about? Um, <clears throat> I, I lost track of this story, so I don't know if you guys know the the progress or if there's any on the the call the like, Muhammad Ali Act Part Two, the extension. Is there is there any further progress with that? Because that could right could that possibly yeah shake? shake oh yeah, loose? no, that would do the same thing. But and they've been talking about bringing it back, but politics kind of shut it down, and then the rep who introduced it has not brought it to the floor yet. Um, 
It's just politics. Um, I was talking to a coach and he was telling me about some, um, what do you call them? Uh, Proposals to, to, to government about that. Exactly. About like health insurance for fighters. Like it's going to Washington DC, right? Like this, this is what I heard from a coach. Like they're oh, really, yeah. like pushing for that. It's it's ready to be introduced to like the actual senator house floor. But the main thing is, and, and I don't want to dive too far into politics here, but like it was going well until Trump was elected. Well, I mean lobbyists, but then Trump was elected, and Trump is friends with Dana White, right? Oh yeah. yeah. And so like then suddenly it just gets put on the shelf for four years, and now. You've got another election coming up where, you know, Trump may be the Republican nominee again. And yeah. And so so like my guess is it will it would be the end of next year after the election. Like if right. Or if like what all the other batshit crazy things happening in politics with Trump, like until he's completely out of politics or he's like not going to be a factor. I don't think it gets introduced because there's. Uh, that's a yeah, very no. complex, yeah. Amer- American stupid fucking politics. We can skip that part. Well, yeah, we can we can skip Dana, that. So, so yeah. basically, Dana White's gonna be pushing for for Trump hard when this election <clears throat> comes up. Guarantee he's gonna be doing some speeches or something somewhere. Oh, right? yeah. just to just to yeah. pay his bills, basically. Pay he's never bill. he never brought any other former president cage side. Like yeah, he's no, the only he one. Well, he's not buddies with them, right? I think he's known Trump for a while, so. I'm just saying, like, Trump, general, Trump, right? like it's the president Trump was a huge, huge proponent of the UFC, like hosting the UFC back, back the day, early. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah back in the yeah. hotels, back in the day. Yeah, so they yeah. got roots, man. Roots, roots are more, roots. They hold tighter than than anything, man. These guys, um, but yeah, like the the I'm excited to see what happens. You know what I mean? Do I do I want it to happen? I to be honest, I don't really care. Like if it happens or not, because, um, you know, we're going to watch fighting no matter what. Right. It's just fighting. There's promotions all over the world. But when you look at the roster, right, let's let's take it. Let's let's dive into this last and we'll take off. When you look at the roster and you rank rosters, right, like you rank number one UFC, let's say UFC is number one. Number two is Bellator. Number three is one championship. Where where does PFL rank along the global promotions? roster wise they're probably at the bottom right i mean depends uh like i guess it depends on like depth or tops st- i mean yeah i mean even i would say in terms like depth, of recognized, right? yeah recognizable well, I mean, names and recognizable names yes i'd say they're near the bottom um i mean you could argue that they're ahead of one like depending on the region right and like just depending like there's been enough cross you have especially now they've brought in like they brought in anthony pettis they brought in shane burgos like they brought in former ufc guys you could argue now that they're at three um maybe two if you're really pushing it um but like yeah i mean in terms of like actual skill depth i don't know like that's part of it's it gets real dicey like for it does, me, but then if you add the yeah. Bellator roster, they're clearly number two. Oh yeah, yeah. You and put Bellator and PFL together. One. Yes, yeah. yeah. You put Bellator and PFL together, they're clearly the number two roster. The only, yeah. the only issue with that in terms of translating that into money is that like, 
the UFC has talked about this. They have eight tiers of people they target, right? From like super hardcore watches every MMA thing to a person that buys a fight once every like two years. Like they, mm-hmm. they buy a McGregor fight. Um, that's it. Like the problem is, is, is basically in tier, I think seven and six, right? Like that's where you start to lose anyone that's not UFC because of the brand power that they have and the marketing power that they have. And so like, on the very rare occasion, you get somebody in like five that might like see a notable name from the UFC or it's a big enough hype. They're like, okay, I'll, I'll check this out. But so like, even if you combine P- PFL and Bellator, like, right, everybody talks about how they thought McKee beating Patricio Pitbull was like his Conor McGregor moment. He was going to be a star or whatever. Nothing happened. Like they just don't have the reach with the general casual fan. And so it it helps you become number two, but you still have to find a way to break out of, of that problem like kayla harrison pfl pushed her as the woman right like that's our star but ratings never reflected that right like yeah. she didn't get like it never translated well like and and that's that's the problem that they wanted ronda rousey to. type of hype around it yeah and it just never happened right like yeah it's and it's funny that you say that because i think you're super right you know when the host of watch parties for these different events there's a massive drop-off dude like Everybody shows up for the UFC fights, and then it's a very small portion. And I think it's equal when I hold one or PFL or Bellator. It's just the small contingent of fans that like each. It's almost like a shared, whatever's left is shared almost equally amongst the rest of them. But when it comes to recognizing fighters, I think one does have the advantage with recognizing stars, if you will. I think they have a little bit more. When you talk about people wanting to, give a shit that it's on people actually care to see pfl because they don't have to know the roster it, it, they don't care they just want to see the the tournament or how it's playing out who's making a million dollars that's the common person's question oh who's fighting for a million bellator people kind of checked out unless you're a former ufc star they're not really it's not really going in uh the, that column so with all that being said it's it's i think it's gonna be great if there's actual like a rivalry happens, kind of like the vintage, since we used pro wrestling analogies earlier, when D- WCW finally got to rival WWE for that small period of time, it was magical for everybody. So I guess in a weird childhood reflective kind of way, I hope the same thing happens in MMA where we have a strong number two that creates a healthy rivalry, and all that happens is we, the fans, uh, get the benefits of it all. Let's go out with this. Francis Ngannou... Jake Paul, Clarissa Shields, those are kind of like the staples for that pay-per-view thing, that pay-per-view model that they they got coming up. That's what I'm most interested about out of everything that's going on, more than the purchase, is to see what type of numbers they're able to attract on a pay-per-view competing against the UFC. Right? I want to see what they... Because, you know, they're going to try to be more open about it, right? Because they want to show that they're competing against them and saying like, like a competitor not like oh we're just part of the the category the the, the you know we're just part of the sport no we're, we're actually competing so that's going to be interesting as well um yeah thank you pat man for coming on everybody if you want more nfl or ufc pfl bellator you know one championship news go in the descriptions download the all-star app follow everything on there interviews for with fighters uh even if you watch the nfl nba whatever um, you can customize the app to your liking. 
and also make picks on every UFC event. Join J Specs League. Uh, watch the watch along parties with J Spec and Sickle Sports. Follow Pat at All Day OJ and J Spec the host on Twitter. And we'll see you guys next week. Uh, what's next week? UFC. Raso Shushenko. Yes. Noche UFC. Noche UFC. Um, yeah, we'll be we'll be back next Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern, for uh, a recap of that. And uh, peace, love, and whatever makes you happy. <laughs>